Hey guys, welcome to episode 69 of the JV Club with my dear friend Jessica Makinson. Uh, I have taken a week off for the 4th of July. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm using the 4th of July as a national holiday as an excuse to not have released an episode. The reality is... I am going to be gone for so long in Canada that I thought that I had recorded enough episodes in advance. The darned of it is, that's not an expression, the the darned of it is, uh, I am going to be there an extra week. And so I knew that I was going to need to take a hiatus. And as it turns out, what could be a better reason than the birth of our nation? So hope everybody had a splendid 4th of July songs jv club podcast episode and that you are looking forward to this episode airing this week with jessica she's a very dear friend of mine i sort of encapsulate all the different things we've done together um, while i'm speaking with her in the episode so i'm not going to spend a lot of time on that i do want to get some shout outs out there i don't have many and uh i'm going to be behind in shout outs guys because i'm recording these intros well in advance but i do want to thank lou c for trying to send me a letter lou hopefully i'll get that letter at my uh post office box address um julie m thank you so much for the recommendation to watch the hbo documentary special miss you can do it i cannot wait to watch it and i thoroughly uh, look forward to it um I, I feel that i'm going to be recommending it to the listener can we agree on that so maybe i should preemptively recommend it even though i've not watched it yet check out miss you can do it um i want to acknowledge the brilliant artist nan lawson who i reached out to because i love her artwork so much and i'm so obsessed with her that i wanted to see if she'd be willing to do something with me and she's going to but in the interim, I want to invite everybody to visit her Etsy shop. It's N-A-N, like uh, Nancy and Nancy, N-A-N Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N dot Etsy dot com, Nan Lawson dot Etsy dot com. Check it out. She's awesome. Andy R on Twitter, Azal on Twitter, Lucy on Twitter. And then I also wanted to just thank First Draft Media for including me in a list of podcasts that they recommend there over in Australia. And I'm delighted to be in the company that I was listed with. So that's always a pleasure to see. Um, That's it, guys. Enjoy the episode. And uh, I can guarantee you, you'll be looking forward to an even shorter intro next week because I'm about to record it and I don't have any shout outs left. Bye bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. Yeah. Oh, it's on now. This is a long time coming. Yeah. I know. I know. I was telling, um, guys, I was telling Jessica that uh, it's rare that I, I mean, I do podcast a lot of people that I know. It's rare that I podcast that I know someone's like someone that I know so, so well <laughs> that um, I don't want to cross over any board. I mean, listen, I can always edit stuff out too, but I don't want to cross over any lines where it's like, oh, I forgot that this is like not something that I would want everyone to know because we already know all this about private, each other. All my private information. Yeah, just start spelling it out. That's okay because we, we'll make it easy. I mean, I'm not going to tell even. people that your address is da 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 <laughs> I do live on I do live 1934 East da 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 da
Oh, that's almost arrested development right there. You make me want to sit on the I know it's hard not. Floor. I know. I don't but I don't if it's especially if it causes you any pain or anxiety. I'm not going to not be able to play with. Um also Scott knows Jessica very well, so he is not ashamed to come bring a, a loud toy over to start the process. Oh yeah, make him growl cuz I don't think people have heard him growl before on the podcast. Put your hand on his eyes. He doesn't like that, huh? Yeah, and then he'll growl. Scott why aren't you growling? Daddy, why aren't you growling? That was me, not him. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Now we'll get it. Now we'll get a growl. What's <laughs> happening? This is like <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, when the mother wants the child. Like, he does a really funny voice. Do it, honey. He'll do it in just a second. <laughs> he does have a really good growl. Jessica knows I like, when he has a ball in his mouth, I like to um, put my hand over his face which causes him to I make it sound like he's, I'm trying to start a motorcycle. Let me see if I can do it now. Okay, let me see if I can start my motorcycle up. <laughs> it's not starting. I do the same thing with Bijou oh God, about the motorbike, only I grab her ears like handlebars. Oh, you can take it all the way. I can't do that because his ears are so short and sensitive Aww. that if I did that, he would just yelp instead. Bijou has these big ears. If, I, <sighs> if, if we're playing, I grab those ears and I rev them like yeah, a motorbike. Yeah, you can totally She's, rev those ears. She, God knows you can rev those ears. <laughs> those are great ears. Um, I've been thinking about how much I enjoyed our bike ride the other day. Uh, nice ride. I ride a lot by myself, you guys know. Um, and it was a joy to have a friend with me kind of tooling around on the old BC Clet. That was nice. We do need to get you a helmet. Oh, yeah. ASA possible. I need- <laughs> <laughs> like a cute helmet, which is not necessarily the safest helmet. Yeah. But I get it. I mean, I really, I remember even when I was a kid riding, did you ride a bike a lot when you were a kid? Yes. Yeah. Did you have to wear a helmet when you were a kid? No. Okay. I did because oh. my dad's such a huge cycling oh. geek that like he was riding hundreds of miles in a day and would like okay. had the whole, had everything. One of our rooms in the house was dedicated to bikes. So I had to have a helmet, the gloves, everything. Like he even had me wear bike shorts oh. as a kid and the helmets back then, they didn't even have helmets for kids. So it was like an adult size helmet with extra padding in it. And I just looked so stupid. Oh. And I had a crush on a boy that lived in my neighborhood and I would like take my helmet, I would stop my bike and take my helmet off to ride past his house and then put it back on after I passed his house so that he wouldn't see me with my helmet. Mm, well, you know, helmets are nerdy. That's just I the mean, nature of helmets. I mean, people don't say that about motorcycle helmets. Uh, Do they? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like old school helmets are cool. Yeah. Helmets in general are for protection. Which is kind of a shame because we got it. I know what we need to convert it so that helmets are super cool. Scott, I need you to not whimper as much for attention from your girlfriend, Jessica. Um, you, you made a great helmet once. Oh, yeah, for Fleeting Immersion. Oh, guys, you, you, you know I've that. talked about Fleeting Immersion on the uh, podcast before, and Jessica is the other half of Fleeting Immersion, which I know I've uh, named her by name. So I'm overjoyed uh-huh. to, uh, to make that association as well. That was a killer helmet. It was a like helmet. It's old, still here white, somewhere. Old white cap helmet. Yeah. You change the lining on the inside. I got real crazy. Dang. I don't know if it's safe particularly, but. Um, safe to be seen in. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally all it is. It's 
for sure I've taken all the use, like the real usefulness away from it and purely made it something aesthetic. I rode my bike a lot. I had a, uh, my, my dad worked for PepsiCo. So for some reason we got this Mountain Dew mountain bike oh oh okay that my dad put together for me it was like this green mountain dew mountain bike and i'm riding it around the streets of tempe arizona um yeah guys uh jessica and i are both from arizona there's many other parallels that you'll be uh unfolding we'll be unfolding for you as we speak but um i mean there's something so satisfying about like getting on being a child and the escape of being on a bike opposed to just being on foot like being able to get further away faster i feel bad for kids now like you're not allowed to just go ride bikes it's like not safe but the the lack of freedom like you always have to be with a parent would have gone crazy i wouldn't i couldn't have done it and by the way my parents couldn't have done it like i don't you know what i mean i don't think that they needed like a break from me they were going through a terrible divorce i was always glad to get out and go go on a bike ride it didn't matter how hot it was in arizona there was like stuff to see like construction being built that you had to like break into and did you do that stuff oh my god but does that make sense like development tempe arizona would probably have had a lot they always have a lot of developments everywhere in arizona has tons of developing always going on the house we were in was on the edge of where they had stopped building so like all behind us and besides us was dirt for a long time. And that was really fun to like ride up and down and like, yeah. you know, motorized cars. And but then they when started, you say us, who's us like neighborhood friends? Because you're an only child. You know, I mean, for a long time, all the boys, all the neighborhood kids near me, I feel like were boys. There was one girl who lived exactly right next to me. and We were best friends for a while. But what was the age range like? Um, she was my grade, but the, all the boys felt like they were like either a couple years older or a couple years younger. So I always had this like weird disconnect of feeling kind of lonely or like seeing if the boys would like want me to play. It was so weird to like the differences in that age where people don't really like boys don't like girls and girls don't like boys. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, come on. Yeah. Can't we make this work for this particular situation? Because we don't have a choice. <laughs> but if they had each other, and you were just trying to like, you know, did that make you feel like you needed to be more boyish, like for in those moments, or were you kind of a tomboy anyway? I think I was. I liked I liked the bike riding and the and the running around stuff, like basketball. No, yeah. like I'm trying to think, like sport wise, I was never like. Yeah, I don't I was, think I'll. Yeah, I was never good at team sports. I guess I just wasn't that interested. I think I associated it with school. Like, and it, like, I don't remember anyone ever inviting it into my life as a fun thing. It was always like, oh, that's PE. Like to me, when I was a kid, sports equaled PE and that's school. And it's why like would work. I do? Yeah. And it's like work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, why would I, mm-hmm. I got to do that. I just remember swimming, swimming always because it was Arizona. You could always swim and have yeah. people over. Did you? So did you have a pool? We had a pool. And um, this is when your parents were still together. They, my parents split when I was like 15. 16. I thought that was a hummingbird. Really? It's just a huge beetle. Oh. <laughs> it's <laughs> less exciting. <laughs> but he still drank from the feeder. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so my parents split when I was like 16. So before then we were... 
it was just the three of us in the house in Tempe, and it, we had this great big backyard, and I had a, a little playhouse and the big pool, and then my parents had this rose garden on, oh, that's nice. on their side of the backyard that had like plum tree and gorgeous roses. It's just this great yard. And so they chasing. basically were like, you have this side of the backyard, but don't mess with the rose, the roses and the stuff. No, no, I had free. I oh, okay. There was like a cactus garden and a rose garden. Like, oh my gosh. I've never seen pictures of this. This sounds awesome. Fruit trees. And we had this, um, pink grapefruit tree. Oh my gosh. And I had a chalkboard. We had a, this is an amazing backyard. But yeah. We it had sounds this, like a wonderland. We had this, um, refrigerator in the backyard that was full of sodas oh you were totally the house that people wanted to come over to i was but i didn't i feel like i didn't have that many people over there was a couple times of these two boys that came over because i had nintendo early too because my dad wanted it Uh uh-huh so Uh i had these two boys over at my house and i like kind of suspected i was like well i'll do just about well, just about. I'll do just about anything to get like friends to come over. Like, yeah, they heard I had a Nintendo and a refrigerator full of oh, sodas. Of course, so they would come over. I very quickly got got the sense that oh no, they were there for just that. <laughs> they were there for the prizes. Oh no, so that didn't last very. I'm long. assuming it was all Pepsi sodas from the Pepsi family. It was. I don't know what my dad did. I think he bought some Jolt. And I don't oh know God. what company that Jolt. was from. Jolt? Yeah, I don't know what Jolt is Who either. Makes Jolt? Who does make Jolt? Um, so Someone for some will reason, answer temporarily, that we had, <laughs> temporarily we had some Jolt. And the boys drank all the Jolt. And I was like, oh, well, don't drink. Okay. <laughs> As you're just feeding them sugar and caffeine. Oh. I mean, it was called Jolt. Jolt. And I think Jolt, does some, some version of Jolt still exists. Okay. It's interesting too because I feel like when I think about Coke products, they're less known for being highly caffeinated. But both Mountain Dew and and I don't know who makes Jolt, but Mountain Dew was another one that was like, listen, if you want to get real <laughs> cracked out on caffeine, Mountain Dew is the way to go. I know that's uh oh god, I just I don't remember the last time I had a Mountain Dew. I mean, I I don't either. I don't remember ever thinking it was that good. It wasn't good. I mean, yeah. personally, not my. I'm not my, sure not what it was supposed jam. to taste like either. Is it supposed to be lemony? <laughs> it's just, it's supposed to it's, taste like dew, Janet. It's into, Mountain Dew, <laughs> like dew from the, the fresh mountains. dew. No, no. It's a, I think it's. I feel like it is their intention to make it taste like chemicals. <laughs> And they succeeded. It it seems like like what I'm remembering of the taste almost seems like you would rather chew on the can it came in <laughs> than drink it in terms of like the metallic, like that's nasty stuff. I think I, I I had a friend once who drank so much Mountain Dew in college that his waste product had turned green are you serious yeah it, was like it a- is kind of and it's also i mean it is yeah it tastes like nuclear waste it looks like nuclear waste for those of you who are mountain dew fans out there i really apologize but um, they will never endorse your body oh my god <laughs> i thought i was I, you know what i came so close <laughs> i came so close and then at the last minute they pulled it they pulled the sponsorship after i said that it was like nuclear waste oh <laughs> Do the do because it will turn you into a mutant. You will be able to perform better at most sports when you drink Mountain Dew, right? Because they sort of endorse, they're like big on like your mountain bike, like your Mountain Dew mountain bike. It's like, like this is what athletes drink. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> before they when have heart the attacks. Athletes in the wild. When you observe athletes in their natural Is habitat. There a song to that? Do it, do it, Mountain Dew. <laughs> that's all I remember. Oh, I think that's enough. <laughs> Plenty. I've just endorsed. I've just endorsed Mountain Dew. Like Not the it. opposite. I've now sponsored Mountain Dew. <laughs> like all of this shit talking I'm doing about Mountain Dew, I guarantee you one listener is like, I gotta go get some like, Mountain Dew. I miss that good. stuff. Just have one. Just one. If everyone What's who the listens worst just has one. <laughs> now we're fundraising <laughs> for Mountain Dew. If each person out there, if each good Samaritan out there just partakes of one Mountain Dew, guys, our work here will be done. Oh yeah, yeah. That is. I mean, grim. I wonder how old PepsiCo's doing. I know, I do too. Well, well it was always like, like the people back... are drinking soda anymore. Are people drinking soda. I think they still are. I feel like, but I feel like primarily, people are drinking Diet Coke. Like that's everyone I know orders Diet Coke. If they order a soda at all, they order a Diet Coke. But it happens a lot. Ooh, I, I think I may have had a year of Diet Coke. Yeah. The year before I stopped drinking soda altogether. Yeah. You're very you're very conscientious and you're very health conscious and we were just talking before we started the podcast that that Jessica's been um she's reminding me that I need to get on top of like finding out what chemicals are in my cosmetics and stuff. It's just such a hard oh my God. depressing road. It's it's because it's overwhelming. There's not yeah. like a, a single site where you can go to look at uh, comparatively Right. Studies done about what, what's good for you and good for you in what sense. It's really confusing. Like then some of the organic brands of products or cosmetics, they're not exactly up to date on all the colors that like say, you know, the Mac counter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're left with what feels like your aunt's selection of colors. Totally. Totally your own selection of colors and then like add on top of that that all of our skin types are different and just because this thing is organic and doesn't have anything bad and it doesn't mean that it's not going to make your face totally break out like you just don't know what's going to happen and then you're and then you're outputting all this cash on product by product it's like oh am I supposed to use this thing for six months until like my face gets used to it or was my face never meant or do I have an allergy to this thing that is technically not bad but still is bad for me and my uh, head swims your head should swim but I was looking at at the uh, I think it's the goodguide.com the good guy.com? The good guide. Oh, the good guide. It'd be weird if it was that'd the good be, guy. That'd be different. That's, yeah, a, that'd be weird. that's a very sexy site, the good yeah. guide. <laughs> um, the good guide. They've got a pretty comprehensive list of most major brands, organic and not, about how they're good for you, good for the environment, and then good for society. Okay. With different ratings. Yeah, yeah, on- yeah. All that. It's a, so well, how disappointing to, to find out that like a company that ha- that uses really great in- ingredients for your skin is also like totally destroying the environment with like you know landfills or. It feels like they have to like do they have to choose? Otherwise, the product would just be astronomically priced. Yeah, that's, in a, some that's way. a true point. But like one that's really good for you, I looked and I won't say which one, but. <clears throat> one of the really organic brands was actually had a r- super low rating as far as environment yeah. and 
I was like, how does that... It seems like the conscientiousness go, would right. go hand in hand. So that's why uh, I'm proposing to you today that we launch our own brand. I knew that that was coming and I thought that that <laughs> did sound good. It sounded like a lot of work. <laughs> it sounded like Like anything. Lot. Hey, Janet, would you like to have six careers I'd instead of the five you currently to. have? I'd love to have another thing. And if you're very lucky the different things that you get involved with all matter to you. So then it's even harder because then you're sort of worried about the things you're not tending to. If you're (laughs) tending to something that, you know, one thing that does demand attention at any given time. That and the the sportswear. And that's why I would like to propose to you Mm -hmm. that our seventh career (laughs) is cloning. How bad can that be for the environment? Oh, no, no, no. What's the worst thing we could be doing to the environment, the society, or anybody else if we just cloned ourselves? I'm starting just you and me. Just us. To do those other things. What's the worst that could happen? Well, you steal your own boyfriend. (laughs) Everyone knows. Everyone knows that's the worst outcome. You're right. You're absolutely right. And when I think about it, that's extremely painful. Um, I don't know if I can do that. You would lose all sense of like oh. sense of self or individuality. Would the clone have the same memories and the same desires, the same I don't know taste as you have? I guess it depends on whether we're talking about cloning a baby that grows quickly, or if you're cloning like you're just popping a into replica. a cloning machine and then like two of you come out, like uh, like in that one magic movie. Which one's that? The the last Mimsy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the last Mimsy. <laughs> God, I, I think maybe I haven't heard the name of that since it was at the theater. <laughs> oh my God! No, it's that one. It's this is my this is one of the listeners' least favorite things is when I blank on something and they're listening to it after the fact. You guys all take a deep breath. You do not have to weigh in on the Nerdist page and tell me what I'm trying to think of because I promise you, in just moments, I'll remember what it is. But I'm talking about the is it the Hugh Jackman one? You know, there were two movies You're that came back. The wrong they came sister. out at the same time. Mm-hmm. One was the Unicorn Diaries. The Unicorn Diaries Part Eight. Oh, they're always making another Unicorn Diaries. The Prestige. The Prestige. Oh, God. That's wow. what I'm thinking of. Okay, well. The Prestige involves uh, a... a uh, see, guys, I told you, you don't have to worry and you don't have to weigh in. I already figured it out. Um, the Prestige involves, you know, the, like a, a magic trick that actually clones. Did you see that movie? You Whoa. didn't see it? It's, it's really good. <gasps> Wait, I did. Right? He's got a big machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like on a hilltop and it keeps spitting out versions of him that have to be killed. As soon as they come out, it's like in order to have this amazing, magical, truly magic slash science trick, this illusion, you are essentially cloning yourself and then you have to kill the clones. Otherwise, there's just a bunch of you running around stealing your boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) from each other. The side effect of magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it did sort of raise that interesting question. I mean, what do you think about cloning? Oh. Not to say that you have, no, have to have an opinion right now. I mean, it makes me. I mean, it makes me panic. I feel sick about it. I like have very like, strong feelings against. Oh it. yeah. So like the idea of, like when do you remember where like when they cloned the sheep? You know, however long ago that was, like twenty years ago. Do you were you like uh oh? Yeah, you're like what Dolly? is the what is the repercussion of that? And then yeah, human cloning. I don't know. That just it feels like. I'm already behind in technology. You're going to do that to yeah. me. And I, I become a, I become a grandma instantly without yeah. ever having had children first. I yeah. just instantly like 
in my day, we rode bikes down the street by ourselves. I know that I talk about that on the podcast a lot is that I feel like I can't remember exactly when it turned from me feeling like, and I even use this with like references and stuff from me being the person who was like, I don't know who you're talking about to me being like, you've never heard of like somehow that switched for me in, in, in a lot of my day-to-day interactions used to be, I just never would make a reference that someone younger than me didn't get, or I was always around people older than me. Oh, okay. And so I felt like I was constantly like around people who were older than me who would say, you know, that's like that Vincent Price movie, da da da. And I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know what that is. And they would go, you don't know what blah, blah, blah is. And now I feel like I'm old enough that I'm so I have more younger people around me. And I'll say something like, well, I don't know. I mean, we're not talking about like the gin blossoms here or something like that. And someone will go, I have no idea what that is. And I'll go, you don't know (gasps) who the gin blossoms are. Arizona band. Arizona band. I did. I pulled that out the last minute trying to think of something Arizona related. Thank God. Um, But uh, yeah, and I was was able to try on some Google glasses recently because do you know what they are? I don't know what they are. Yeah, they're like... um, it's basically like Google glasses can do a bunch of different things a la kind of Siri on an iPhone where you can sort of give a command and it'll do it with a voice recognition technology. But also you are wearing a pair of kind of funky looking pseudo glasses that also have a tiny screen in the no. corner. And so you can like browse the web while you're just like walking around. Oh no! And what I noticed, they were getting passed around this party that I was at in like a demo mode. <clears throat> and what I realized... What is that? <laughs> I picture some like... Some like eccentric, very like well-to-do part where everyone's like, well, I just got these glasses and they're... I gotta be honest with you. That's exactly what it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was Neil Harris's birthday. It was like a small dinner party at like a schmancy Sunset Strip hotel in their dining room. And Neil was given a pair of glasses um, to use to because he's the kind of person that people are like, take this thing and tell us what you think or whatever. Be one of the first ones. And so he was like, he passed it around. And what I realized in watching other people interacting with it, because the whole thing is like, oh, you can be wearing these and you can be like checking your stocks, but you can also be like looking at a person because you're seeing. It's so rude. But this is what it looks like. (laughs) I don't know if I can adequately describe this just with audio, but I'm going to try. It looks like. If, you, if you're talking to someone and they're also getting information from Google, so they're actually looking at the tiny screen that you can't see, mm-hmm. they look like they are <laughs> like Christopher Walken in the movie The Dead Zone when he touches someone and he suddenly has a premonition of a flash and he's not really looking at anything because he's looking into the future. That is what it looks like. It looks like people are like... Did you know that jellyfish can swim 100 miles an hour? And it's it's like they're being hit with like some sort of inner sight thing that they're, they're seeing. They're like looking off like a, a bit. Like, like a blind person with psychic powers. Like they're not quite looking at your face. Yeah. But they're not looking beyond you because the screen is here, but they're also not cross-eyed. So it's really, it's like such this. a specific expression. Am I doing Yes. It? You're just not, yeah, you're like not focused on anything, but you're still looking out almost like, or like a dead body on a TV show. Like somebody who has to just like glaze their eyes over because they're dead now in, on a TV show. Have you ever been dead on a TV show? No, but you have, huh? You got stuffed in a trunk. Oh, that's fantastic. I sort of still wish that I would. And as an actor, if a show isn't compelling enough to f- 
can, can like withhold the like to sort of maintain the suspension of disbelief i do become very preoccupied with like how well that person is doing a playing dead do you i do i always look like i'm constantly looking like breathe dare yeah. you breathe blink blink Go or your eyes watering like how they do that that's forever yeah, they yeah. Did that forever would you when you were dead did you you were dead and you did have your eyes open huh mm-hmm. tell me about that experience well, I know it was for CSI I New York. In in a trunk with um with the actor. His first name is Kyle, and God bless him. I can't remember his last name right it's now. All right, was we're it, gonna get through this. Very Scotty, sweet, no sweet character. He had to be tied up. This is the the thing. He was tied up in the trunk, and then the dead body get me gets dumped gets in on top. Dumped in. I mean, I was alive on the show before <laughs> before I died. I don't. Oh my God, you're a clone. <laughs> the real Jessica died that no, day. No, I, I mean like the character too. Like I was alive, and then I was dead, and then yeah. I got put in the trunk. So he's supposed. Oh yeah, to you be, were like an extra who yes. only played a dead body. Let's be very clear on that point. <laughs> So don't don't come calling just to have me right. be dumped. Um, it, he had to be crying in the trunk, tied up with you know masking tape, and that because the dead body gets dumped in the trunk with yeah. him. So the makeup woman has is putting the um, you know the the menthol on his eyelashes, okay. so that it's easy for you know. So he yeah. has the. I hate to ruin the Hollywood magic, but yeah, sometimes people can't cry or won't cry or don't need to cry for reals. <laughs> Or it's you got to get it now, and no one really cares if if it's real. Yeah. So they put the menthol on his eyelashes to make him cry. Well, I'm I'm in there with him because we're trying to get the. And is it a real trunk that they've hollowed out? Like how is it a real trunk of a real car that they've hollowed out so that the backside, like the where the back seats would be, is sort of more open than it would be. But the trunk is actual size. Yeah. And this was in a cab, the back of a cab. So the trunk is open and the makeup woman is brushing his eyes and she dips it the brush back in the menthol to go back to his other eye and jabs me directly in my eye with the brush. No! Not on my eyelashes, no! on my eyeball. <laughs> oh, no, It was no, excruciating. No. Oh, with, no. Like they had like, they were flushing water. Oh, and, no. And we had to go really very quickly but the thing was i had to keep my eyes open that's the worst thing you could have to do under those circumstances yes. she it created was, the night most nightmare of circumstances yes. for you um oh, that uh, sucks so and so also so he had to remain tied up while we flushed my eye because we couldn't keep getting oh, out of no. the trunk it was like this this terrible this oh, terrible no. situation for all <laughs> Another, involved yeah but i think it turned out okay and the makeup person must have been mortified. I'm sure she felt bad. Mortified. I'm sure she felt bad. She was very nice. I, <laughs> I want to be clear. I did I'm not, not angry. I've let, the, I've let it go. You did not have It's just fired. a fun Were story. you nervous about being able to keep your eyes open for that long? Or did it turn out that you didn't? I mean, it, with, with all of that said, before that even happened, were you like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I hope I can. No, I always get really excited by things like that anything that has to do with it's <laughs> gonna sound awful like like a challenge about yeah. like duration or like you have to do I, that doesn't I sound awful i think that's super cool that i um i always love those kinds of challenges like in, when it when it matters yeah when you're when you're shooting and you have to get something and you know 
times of the you just have to get it. I love that challenge. You know what's interesting about that too is that and I hate to and I don't mean to like overly out you on this so you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that you and I both work better under deadlines in general. So it's interesting because it's almost like it's the maximum version of that is these moments when like there's a short period of time we've got to get the shot you've got to do it it's going to be hard but you've got to do it that that's not so dissimilar from like please don't tell me i have three weeks to write a term paper you might as well just give me the assignment the night before (laughs) you might as well i'm not gonna do a better job like if you give me more time i'm not that person never that person but some people are and i think i always thought no one is because we all kind of procrastinators like to laugh and joke about how they procrastinate. But some people are a bit slow and steady wins the race about stuff. I don't know. Did their, did their parents teach them how to be? That I way? don't know. That's my question is like, where does that kind of methodology come from? Because it seems like most children are impatient. And then the question is like, is it genetics that keeps you impatient as you get older is it upbringing is it both is it is you just mellow out into a more patient person because your dna is going to inform that that's probably going to happen like i don't know where certain characteristics i mean obviously this is like an age-old question but it's interesting to think about the, the heaviest part of the question to me feels like the the term paper issue about yeah. like there was no worse feeling than having to go two days before the papers due to the public library yeah to get the reference and materials. hope that there's some there's something that they haven't all been is checked a total out. in our day moment too because you did have to go to the library you had to go to the and library. there are a limited amount of resources and you had to go into the card catalog which yeah. was actual cards yeah later there was computers i guess yeah i guess there were but Early even on, like in, being in, in like college, the- we didn't have the, I didn't have like access to the internet the way that everyone after me did. Mm-hmm. We're like the last generation of people who didn't have that. We're, we're the kind of defining generation of like everybody after us had a completely different educational experience and everyone before us had a similar one for yeah. several generations. We ahead. are the last Mimsy. We're the last Mimsy. Mm. I can't remember what the last Mimsy is about. It's a if I movie ever knew. about some scary puppets. It is? I think so. A is doll? it a kid's movie? It's a scary doll. No, there's a kid in it. The but last it's, Mimsy. It's You're telling me the, something called the last Mimsy, yes. which sounds like it should be like the Hobbit <laughs> is actually a, horror a scary film. horror movie. I think so. Or maybe I just found it. You know it. why? Because we don't have to go to the library to find this out. I just found it horrifying. Perhaps the that's the last Mimsy. Stop it. We, when did we started joking about the last Mimsy on a tear? You and I kept going in the movies together and uh, last Mimsy preview came It's up. a kid's movie. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It's not about scary dolls coming back to life. <laughs> Look at those two. Look at those two critters. Oh. There's just like two kids standing in the Those critters in yeah. the perfect bad sitcom slash bad movie pose of like standing back to back facing the camera looking up looking up with magic behind them yeah with mm. a lot of magic behind them Mimsy uh, there is a, a like a velveteen rabbit involved okay um what when, I don't know when we would have seen that preview um. 2007 we went to see seven the movie seven together and we bawled our eyes out wait seven no (laughs) because i saw that when i was in college and i was like i'll never see that movie i'm sorry dear i meant seven pounds oh yeah oh no we got because i know for sure i had barely slept the night before 
I remember Don't give being no. I listen. Let me first of all. I I can't give myself an excuse because I would have cried anyway. <laughs> but you know that like emotional rawness that you have, and I think you did too. I feel like maybe we were together the night before, because I remember being like that kind of awake where you're like crazy awake because you didn't get enough sleep. I don't know. And what year was that? it was it was devastating 2007 it was, devastating. it was a devastating movie but even after we were devastated by it and we were crying i do want to say that we were like we really just got like duped by this movie and we're crying and we know it wasn't that good i want to reassure you that the plot of uh the last mimsy is presented as a memory flashback by a woman named lena the last mimsy is the story of a distant futures attempt to avert a catastrophic ecological disaster that has destroyed their world but for kids high-tech devices (laughs) you're right though look high-tech devices masquerading as toys are sent back in time into the hands of noah and emma two children who live with their parents in 21st century seattle the toys are incomprehensible, except what appears to be a stuffed rabbit named Mimsy. Sensing the strangeness of the devices, the children initially keep their discovery a uh, secret from their parents. What's interesting about this is how accidentally so much of this has to do with what we've like different subjects coming together that we've talked about already on this episode of the podcast. I think that's kind of weird. Only short of, of it being like, led by clones of the children. <laughs> The puppets, blah, blah, blah. Also, they're not puppets. Um, Okay, I want to get back into uh, Arizona teenagerhood for a second because we haven't really talked about your adolescences in Arizona. Um, So you went to high school in Tempe. Uh, What was your high school experience like? What was, was, how was it? Um, By the time I'd gotten into high school, I found so much relief in the freedom of, of school. Okay, because that's right around the time that your parents were splitting up. Yeah, the first and second year, oh, it's just kind of a strange time at home, my high school years in general. Like, you know, things weren't going so hot, and then they, and sort of my parents sort of announced the divorce, and then we, we, st- we all stayed together after that decision for, I think, a year Oof. while we waited for another house development because we had decided to buy a house that wasn't yet built that my mom and I were supposed to move into, and like I think the company went out of business halfway through. So I was like, well, who's going to build this house? <laughs> it's halfway done. What do we do oh, now? No. So we had to wait. This was a very weird weird time of of like waiting or nothingness but i i was into lots of stuff like theater was my lifeline of of um like you can do this you can spend your time you can spend your time doing this yeah i will i will spend as much time as humanly possible doing exactly this yeah um did you, you have that carried into college and stuff for me? Was that was your theater? I mean, like my I've said this before on the podcast, but um, all due respect to my uh, high school teacher, my theater teacher, frankly, who doesn't deserve very much respect. I just yeah, I, I guess my point is high school drama isn't necessarily like the same as majoring in theater. Sometimes it's a place where a collective it's a collective <laughs> of people who don't really want to do anything else that 
uh, period. So I feel like I was in a group full of kids who like 50% of them were genuinely interested in theater and the other 50% were like, this beats being in a regular class or like, this is a good elective because it requires almost nothing of me because the reputation at my high school was sort of that like you could kind of just dick around frankly for a lot of the class so i'm wondering um if you feel like you instilled like if you kind of infused your experience internally or if you really felt like you got a lot of inspiration from your classmates and the shows that you guys were doing and stuff does that make sense i i got a lot of influence and excitement from the the kids who are older than me Mm. Other people that I thought were really fantastic, and you sort of aspired to being as seasoned as they were two years older than right. you were. Like, oh, that's gonna be me. Yeah, and getting to work work hard and 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 allowing that to happen. I I think the theater programs they still have theater in schools. Oh my God, I don't <laughs> even know. Can they afford that? Let's see. No languages, no music, no art. Mm, so probably sad. no theater. Um. I feel like the theater department collected people who may have went on later. Maybe they weren't actors necessarily, but were like costume, you know, people who were went into fashion or costuming or were interested yeah. in, in, in that or writing people who, who write for. <clears throat> That's really for cool. Anything. It sort of draws all sorts of people who don't. Um, yeah. Who don't fit into like, yeah. you know. So because the, there are, you're absolutely right. There are, I mean, I noticed that a lot in college is that that's a great catch-all. We've talked about it on podcasts before that theater is a great catch-all for misfits of all shapes and sizes in general because there's usually something that you can find to get involved with in theater, whether it's the tech side, whether it's writing, whether it's costumes, that, um, that can sort of satisfy any person who feels like maybe they don't fit in somewhere else. But it's true. It's a really great... Like, that's how I discovered I wanted to get involved in interior design was taking, having to take the, like, you know, state, like the stage design class where, you know, we had to learn how to do, like, what am I trying to say? Like, um, like to, like to be able to know, like, like drawing dimensions and drawing, like, scale, you know, like scene design, scene design. Yeah. Stuff like that. Where I was like, oh, this is so fun. Now I sort of know what the math rules are to like drawing what a room would look you like. You learned that in high school. No, in, in college. Oh, okay. That in high school, me. I didn't learn really anything. It was like just a bunch of jerks hanging around, like kissing in the darkness of the dressing room during theater, unless we were like rehearsing to put on a play. The rest of the time, it was just kind of like, I can't say that I was like fulfilled theatrically. Unless we were in the middle of doing a play. What were some of the plays that you did? Um, oh, God. A lot of mine don't have, like, no one has ever heard of them because they're all, like, whatever was cheapest to get. a lot of Neil Simon. Oh, okay. See, I never did any. Um, what, Steel Magnolias, Marvin's Room. Oh, yeah. You did it all. Good plays. Guys, all of these are available as films as well. I'm sure not as good as the plays, but maybe. A Few Good Men was also. Did you? A Few Good Men. Mm -hmm. God, you guys did good shows. Did Good at The Crucible. You really did. We you did, did what people are supposed to be doing. I can't say that I did. <laughs> what in people theater, are in supposed to. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Did you guys ever do musicals? There were musicals. I was like in this weird middle. I was like a, a junior when we did Into the Woods, I think. And I was sort of like junior to a couple of really great senior you know mm. senior actresses who could sing. And then like there was also like the infusion of the choir people that auditioned okay. who like got it so it's like 
to my chagrin, I was right. not, that was the one I was like, you're kidding. Yeah. You're really? Kidding. I'm not really? gonna, I'm not gonna even, it's funny cause I, these guys know who've listened to the podcast before. I can't remember what episode I was talking about, but I had a similar experience with Into the Woods, so I won't retell that story, <gasps> oh, but it's really? very funny to me that we both have the sort of like, uh, but <laughs> with that particular musical, <laughs> that's really funny. That's funny. We've never yeah, talked about that I know. before. I'll tell you the story offline cause these guys okay. already know it. Okay. Um, but, but that, I felt f- really fulfilled by all of that. Any kind of challenge for any sort of character was, uh, it didn't matter if it was, I don't know, it was old ladies or whatever it is. Like I just, just to dive into to creating anything was like heaven. It was yeah. just like a balm to what, whatever I w- had going on. Did, was it, it that like feel- work I understood? And was it that feeling of like, when I'm doing this, everything else sort of goes away? And do you still feel that way about like doing improv and stuff? Hmm. I don't know if I've ever equated that. I mean, you have to be so present, and pay, pay, be paying so much attention and listening within improv. Guys, I want to quickly say that if I haven't acknowledged this before on the podcast, Jessica is one of my favorite all-time improvisers, oh. and we do perform in a, in a group together. She performs very regularly at the IOS here in Los Angeles. She performs weekly um, with their kind of famed Armando group, and uh, I am extremely lazy, and I only do uh, improv when it, <laughs> when it gets me to a festival, either my own or someone else's. But Jessica is just one of those people who really embraces the kind of like be truthful and, and really be present in the moment and don't just go for the laughs. And um, I think that is still lacking in a lot of improv. And I think that a lot of improv that people are really drawn to um, uh, involves that kind of truth telling and, and mm, that there's like these opportunities. Nice. Like I'll see <clears throat> something come to life in her when we're doing shows that is like reminiscent of a conversation maybe that was had earlier in the day. Not to say that it's like, that doesn't mean that you're like, you're not improvising. It's not that, but it's like, you don't know where your inspiration is going to come from. And this grain of something will come out. And it's like this sort of beautiful, heartbreaking truth that gets converted into something funny. And that's what I think. That's actually why I love this podcast. Cause I feel like the comedy comes out of like people just being honest and like being goofy and making fun of themselves instead of like, all right, this is a comedy podcast. That's a comedy improv show. Mm-hmm. Let's be funny. Go like, where's that going to come from? From nothing. Make it from nothing. It doesn't work under pressure. It doesn't work. If I, I think if you're not allowed the space to explore what actual emotions surrounding a scene or a, uh, an initiation with an improv if you're not allowed that that room i can't function yeah um those are the moments that i find so mostly rewarding about improv that you and i end up getting into a lot there's always like a my favorite scenes are always the the most sort of there's a precious quality yeah about a vulnerability it. I yeah think. when someone you can tell people have real feelings about anything it's always so much more interesting to watch than just, a, you know, people just being smart. I agree. I agree. I feel the same way. I think it's, that's, I love the idea of, especially with an improv show where these characters come and go so quickly, but you so, if, if they're truthful and if there's like a, like a vulnerability to them, you're invested in their story, even if the story only lasts two minutes. Somehow, if the improvisers are doing their job, you're invested in their story and you feel when, you know, when someone's cruel to them or whatever, you're like, oh, oh no. And you're sort of laughing at that cruelty. 
but you're also like, oh my God, this is suddenly a recognizable real person and they're gone. But just for that little window of time, you actually cared about what was happening. That's one of my favorite sounds, I guess. And we get to hear it a lot. I guess the, the theme park shows are full of those moments when, when you hear people going like, no, oh my God. <laughs> Amidst laughter, there's always that like um, uh, entreating people for their empathy. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think we do bring that. We do bring that in a lot. Because like, like, I don't see that as much with, and I think Ascat shows are brilliant, but I don't see as many like sweet characters in Ascat shows. I see a lot of like people like being very bold and and dangerous and crazy and great in other ways. But I don't see as much of a situation where you're like, oh, that character that Matt Besser's playing, I'm really sympathizing with right now. I think well, if it's, they, but they're, you're laughing a mile a minute. It's just different. They're very smart players. I think if they had more women playing with them, they might have more of that. Yeah, I, that's, that's a good point. That's my general opinion about point. that. I think, I think when you exclude, I mean, groups are what they are. If a group happens to just be all men, that's, that's their group. But yeah. I think it's a general, um, really terrible trend that or just fact about who's drawn to improv and comedy is is that it's largely male that it's largely white that it's largely straight yeah that there's a huge group of people that are excluded and that i think so many shows and groups would be so much better off having those people included because you're you're missing that perspective of life oh, that's such a good point you're missing all the the colors of what those people have to bring bring different types of suffering different mm. types of yeah. of enjoyment and joy and let me come forward and say i think you're speaking in larger terms without necessarily planning to too which is like you've just made the argument for why nobody should go to a school that's like segregated because of affluence or some other cultural reason that ends up also being that it denies a certain level of you know whether it's a whether it's a level of how much money comes into a family whether you know whether it's that or whether it's like a bad neighborhood or whether whatever the reason is that's like when I start getting up on my sort of liberal high horse about how lucky I feel to have gone to a magnet school and being from a state like Arizona that's so ethnically diverse that you that it's kind of exactly what you just said. Like if you're watching this sort of performance of life, how much richer is it if you really get a chance to experience firsthand what everybody else that doesn't look like you or sound like you or feel like you is experiencing? That was that was definitely true in Arizona as a in in grade school. There was a lot of Native American kids and Hispanic kids at at my school. I would say it was at least fifty fifty. Was that different? And when you were in high school, high school it was a little um, mainly white kids. I mean, yeah. there was a handful of black kids, and yeah, um, certainly way less. It's like all of a sudden, those people were. At another Gone. school, yeah. Like, Wait, so what is zoned so, differently? And yeah, it was a very, it was a very Mormon high school. Oh, yeah. It, so Jessica's not Mormon, but she grew up around a lot of Mormons. And of course, you guys know I had to go to Mormon church too. So we have that. You probably weren't exposed to it as much 
or more in some ways than I was because I didn't have Mormon friends at school. Oh. All my friends at school, I was I did not have. I don't think by the time I was in high school, I'm trying to think of a single person I went to high school with other than my friend who I've talked about on the podcast before, who was like equally as rebellious and you know a terrible Mormon as was I. Uh, but it was like completely separate. It was like, I didn't see anyone from my ward from church. None of those people went to my school because my mom, I went to school near where my dad lived because he had primary custody, but my mom went to a ward near where she lived. So all of those kids were going to high school together off at another school. Uh And I was at my school and well, maybe you so I never had to, yeah I never talked to I never I never had like never the twain shall meet it was like my life in high school never had anything to do with Mormonism it was just Sundays at church that I had to like show up and they would be like are you in seminary at your school and I'd be like no do they have they don't have that in my do they, oh, have they that didn't they, no but, no they had oh, that at my yeah. they had I went to a huge high school it was like 4,000 whoa kids or something oh, crazy my God. um or what, am I exaggerating? Was I don't it 2000? know. Either way, that's a lot. I don't know. Yeah, that's huge. I, ours was not very big. I have since, I've said on the podcast before, like, I don't know how big my school was. I've since talked to someone who was like, we did not have a very big, it might have even been Tina on the podcast because I podcasted someone I went to school with, but that like, it's been confirmed that my school was not that big. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So my school, cause I was like, I didn't seem like it was that big. It was not that big. I had a, a good friend through high school. One of my best girlfriends was her family was Mormon or Jack Mormon or is that yeah is that so they were inappropriate like not really practicing term? yeah yeah not really practicing or they had decided to leave or whatever but they had like you know five kids and so my friend was somewhere in the middle and you definitely saw the like rubber band effect from like someone who was who's brought up that way and then all of a sudden decides that it's not for them and then they kind of yeah where people go from yeah from yeah, there yeah. in terms of rebellion yeah um i i can't believe this but we're already at 50 minutes and i want to get into playing a game of mash and i also oh. before we do that um i have been uh, uh as you guys know um re- asking for and receiving some questions from um from listeners uh, about various things. Uh, they It's part of the Junior Varsity Advice section. Exciting. So I am going to pull out um, this uh, this question. Oh. Um, I'm not going to name the, the listener because uh, she will know who she is. But um, I'm going to go ahead and read this and then we would love to, uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit and cool. see if we can come up with some advice. Um, I recently graduated and I've been interviewing and will soon be working in the tech industry, which is typically a very male dominated field. Ah. I've also, I've always had a lot of trouble being assertive and in school, I notice a lot of guys take that to mean they can pretty much walk all over me and dismiss my input into team projects. Uh, you've mentioned that you have a problem with qualifying everything you say, and I can completely relate to that. I am often told to just get to the point already because I take too long to explain something. Oh, my dear. Yes, you are a kindred spirit with, with, that, uh, with me in that. I'm wondering how to be more assertive and confident in sharing my ideas and opinions because I'm afraid I'll be passed over for things in the workplace by not being more direct. I'm particularly worried about being in such a male-dominated field and being looked at as unsure of myself or in over my head. I've had situations while in college of having my solutions overlooked by the rest of the group while working on programs together, and it's 
incredibly frustrating. Somewhat related to this is often when I'm angry or frustrated, I'll start crying. Not because I'm sad, but just as a physical reaction, and it makes it so much worse. Men seem to just write off, write me off as being hysterical when I'm really trying to forcefully argue my position. It's like an automatic reaction. Oh, she's crying. She's not being rational anymore. I win the argument. I hope this question doesn't seem overly negative toward men. I think a lot of men who do this don't even realize that they are. And it's not because they're horrible people, but unfortunately by their unconscious reaction. See, I even had to qualify this question with that statement. This is why I love my listeners. I just have such thoughtful, wonderful, sensitive listeners. Nobody wants to offend anybody. I think it's funny because I wasn't sure which question I was going to pick, and I just picked the one off the top, and it ended up being so pertinent to the fact that we just talked about this world that we sort of came into that is also very male-dominated, and that it perpetuates the cycle of, like, you only see guys do it, so only guys do it. You only see guys, you know? And I think that, um, strangely, there's a real parallel there with what uh, what this listener is talking about. Let's call her Missy um, that Missy's talking about with uh, with what she's facing in her day to day. So, Jessica, what do you think about that? Just general thoughts on the subject. How do you um, command respect without being uh, false to yourself, without trying to put on or be more male? You know, how do you assert yourself as a woman in a male dominated field without feeling that you have to adopt uh, male characteristics to get by? Because then that's what happens to a lot of women. Uh, that's a a thing that's taken a long time of messing up like uh, i guess not messing up but like trying something out or like getting frustrated and then and then um getting into a situation where you feel like oh my gosh i overreacted to that because i had feelings about it um i think just admitting that you have a feeling about something or to say my sense is when you mean you have feelings about something mm-hmm. if it feels like an inappropriate time to to mention that you have a feeling because god forbid you have emotions yes yeah. um but I, you know my it, senses is great my sense is that i i'm not interested in that right i can't be sure let me get back to you on that there's like yeah. certain certain like go-to things like that that are strong statements without committing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or turning something down mm-hmm. um that I have learned that are really helpful um, is communicating even when you don't know the answer. Yeah. I'm going to have to get back to you on that yeah. type of statements with, with people or to say, I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a feeling about that. You're going to have to give me a minute to respond. Yeah. Oh God. Asking to like, like demanding the, that other people have patience with your process because just because someone's timeline is like, Hey, we're going to, we're doing this right now. Like that you're not, that you don't, that you're not entitled to do anything but follow along their game plan is so true. It's such a great point. It's, it, you, it's easy to feel rushed with people who are, uh, maybe you're in a first time situation. If it's in a group, whether it's men or women in a, you're in a first time situation with people who do this all the time. It's easy to feel intimidated and not to say what it is you mean or to say that you feel strongly about something yeah. to volunteer yourself and say, I'd like, I'd like to do that. And that I feel, I feel pretty, pretty yeah. strongly about that. Yeah. I love what you just said. And you know what that just brought up for me was this idea as I'm imagining our sweet Missy, uh, in this field that she's talking about. And this idea of like guys being dismissive of her is I know I, I can't no we, you know, I can't say that you're not feeling this way already because I can't, I'm not inside your head and it's not exactly phrased in this question, 
But what I will say is you deserve to be there. And I think that we as women are often conditioned, and that's one of the reasons why I qualify stuff sometimes, in, especially in certain environments, is that what I'm doing is apologizing for my presence in some sort of a very deep, intense, mm-hmm. subconscious way, is that I'm saying, I'm sorry that I'm making my voice heard, but I think I might be right about this. And instead, I think that if you, if you sit with the reality in your gut, Missy, that you deserve to be there, that then some of those qualifications are going to fall away. And you won't, maybe you won't feel the same kind of frustration because maybe that there will be a calm to that instead of a crackly energy of fear and anxiety or what are they going to think of me? That it's about breathing and taking the moment to just be in your space and go internally, well, I certainly deserve to be here. And I'm really sure that I'm right. And that's coming from such a place of power that's authentic. It's not like you're trying to seem more powerful than you feel. If you, on a, on a more consistent basis, if you make sure that you're speaking your mind on a more consistent basis and that you're feeling heard, it's not going to build up to that point, yeah, perhaps, build up where, you, where point. You, you explode and maybe you anger tears or whatever that you can take the emotion out of it. If you're consistently on a daily basis, making sure you let people you're working with know where you're at and you're making your voice heard, then you don't have that build up that resentment that comes out when things get tense. Yeah. Um, And not only do you deserve to be there, but that you you're offering something in a room full of men that not one of them has. Yeah. And that's a female perspective. Yes. Regardless of what field you're in. And that you're pioneering. I mean, when we're, when you're, when those of us who are in scary situations, and this goes for my male listeners, my female listeners, uh, listeners of all ages, when you feel like a fish out of water, chances are you are creating opportunities for people who come next. And that is that pioneering feeling is so scary because it's hard to feel like you're supported in the moment. But if you almost can imagine a groundswell of support from people you don't even know yet, who may not even know yet how much they appreciate what you're doing, feel the weight of that behind you like a trust exercise, fall back into that. You can't see them there, but they're there and you in turn are doing them a service by staying strong and being tough and being authentic and persevering because that's what makes it possible for the next round of people to come through and go, well, I saw Missy in that tech-related field and I didn't think it could be done, but she's totally kicking ass. So how exciting to create that opportunity for others. Absolutely, and incur- something I try to do when I talk to people at the theater or young women who talk to me after a show is, is say, you know, are you taking class here? Are you are you involved? Great, we need you. Yeah. Stay here. We need you. Yeah. And to encourage other women to uh, stick around in in male dominated fields that that they're important. And, yeah. And that they're supported. That they have a network just the way the boys stick together. There's a there's a it's not so scary if the girls can yeah. With each other. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. I'm so glad that you were the guest for that question. I think that was a very good <laughs> Jessica specific um, kind of a question. I hope you're happy with the response. I cannot emphasize enough. That person's not real name was Missy. Dear um, Missy. So definitely not Missy. I think I'm going to, what I'm going to do is um, go straight into the mash game. Sometimes I use, unless do you feel strongly about wanting to do this? This is one of those um, what? Is booty it? catchers. Uh, now I feel like if maybe you we want should to. do it. 
let's do this, but we'll make it a quick okay, answer. It'll we'll be the fast. challenge of a quick answer because it's very hard for me. All right, I need to alert Victoria that I cannot find the new cootie catcher she sent, so she may have to do an even newer one for me. This is the old one. Honey, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I did with it. Um, I had it the last time I podcasted in the very last episode I did. Now it's missing, so maybe the dog ate it. Uh, pick a color. <laughs> I'm going against my instinct. I talked about pink grapefruit earlier, okay. so I have to pick the P-I-N-K. pink. P-I-N-K. Pick a number. Seven. One, we two, about three, seven. four, five, Jesus. six, seven. One of them's kind of a backwards. I think it's backwards two, two or something. One, two. What are three differences, better or worse, from your teenage self? Three differences, better or worse, from your teenage self? Could be uh, could be totally physical, could be emotional, could be like I have the same hair, but I do this differently. I oh used to. God. That is three so, differences. That's an intense question. I'm gonna try and make it quick. I guess. Um, I know that couldn't. I couldn't have picked a worse one. I for wasn't you quick. terribly conscientious at the time. I was really messy, and yeah. um, I think maybe messy with words as well messy bed messy head yeah kind of like um too blunt at times and and um i didn't know how to process what any what i was feeling at any time so it would it would come out in strange ways so yeah um that's a good one uh, but i felt i remember feeling really free Regardless, like that time, like I remember having this like sense of play. Well, that's good because that's like a that's a two that's like a double side that's like a double sided like heads was you were too blunt, but the tails was you felt more free. So now we just need one more difference. (laughs) More difference. Um, Oh, I went to see. I I don't go to concerts anymore. I went to see a bajillion concerts all the time and like. Right up front, like you, sw- you just until your t-shirts just soaked. Yeah, You're just sweating over. Yeah, who? How many shows? Like I know. Sometimes some some podcast episodes being end up being really music heavy, and we talk about like shows that we went to and stuff. Well, while I get this mash, well, you know what? This is what I'll do. I'll incorporate that answer into the mash game. Um, for the first mash question, I will say if you could revisit one concert from high school and oh, I name God. three that you fondly remember and you'll end up revisiting one like going back in time and going back to that one I saw the BC boys awesome no less than five times in a period of like love it three years love it um and I I would have trouble picking which okay BC so I'm just wanna, yeah concert so I'll just say whichever it will be whichever BC boys concert ends up being the one that you most had enjoyed I ditched first day of school junior year and senior year of high school to go to Lollapalooza. Love it. <laughs> Lollapalooza. That's a good one because you just incorporated like a bunch of bands into one. Yeah. Now one more. Um, I saw the band James. Oh, sure. Which was and is still one of my very... Luckily, I still have a cold so everyone can enjoy how nasal um, that was. And I saw them at the tiniest little Which is venue and that I think I snuck out to see or something. Yeah. It was it was groovy. And then okay, I had a, the t shirt because really the album ones. was laid, but I got the concert tee, it said get laid on uh-huh. the on the on the on the forest green like size large uh-huh. men's 
<laughs> totally on the sleeve. And um, I was told that it was inappropriate at school. I, had, I was going to I had ask. to roll the sleeve up. You had to roll it up 50s grease style. That never happened like, to so me. So I rolled a pack of cigarettes <laughs> up into it. And then I got in trouble for that. It was just a series of unfortunate events. And I never recovered. Okay. It cut to me getting sued by saying a series of unfortunate events by the author of a series of unfortunate events. Um what are three leisure activities that you don't have access to now, whether you ever did, but like three fun leisure activities that you wish were just easier for you to like do or get to? It could just be, I wish I had more time to like read my favorite magazines or it could be, I wish I lived near a place where I could snorkel all the time. Like anything like that. I'll, I wish I lived near a lake Okay, that was hotter than most California lakes get hot lake hot lake there you go hot lake got it I love to water ski and swim in lakes and uh, I did that all growing up and every time I do it I get this huge rush of yeah um, like life energy we got to get up to a lake because we've been talking about kayaking buy a boat Oh, it'd be so fun where am I going to keep it I'll keep it in my bedroom (laughs) we could go to Big Bear and rent a boat right now like a speedboat right now let's just do it oh my god God. okay hot lake lake. number two um that I wish I had more time for um, tap tap class. dance. Love it. Tap dancing. Love it. Um, three that I love. Um, oh, sewing. That's yeah. such a home Susie homemaker answer. But no, I but love to make just, things. And, and, I know, and the stuff you make is like listen. Nobody's benefiting by you not sewing. People would only benefit more. The world would only benefit more. I need an old-fashioned sewing room. Um, Yeah, no kidding. Um, Okay, what about three careers? It doesn't matter if you know, like, that they wouldn't be as fun as you think they would be. Just, like, three other careers that, like, the fantasy of whatever they are would be really fun for you to have as a second career. You don't give up what you're doing. You just have a second career of doing this. Um, A baker. Love it. Um, Of cake. Uh Uh-huh. A cake baker. Oh, uh, there's stuff to look. A cake caker. is great. A caker. Okay. Um, a oh, like a like a, a musician, a singer. Yeah. Okay. If I could love it. If I could play guitar, I might. I'd, I'd like to write songs. Singer songwriter. Yeah. Got it. A real jewel type. Just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> I could do my best jewel impersonation. Uh, okay, number three. Number three. Uh, um. God, I, I feel like I've had this answer that's been different. I feel, well, every time. I would I would like for us both to own like a shop together of some kind. Oh, for sure, like a sh- like a storefront somewhere, yeah. um, or like a a clothier, a clothier that probably yeah umbrellas a bunch of stuff. Yeah, there'll be some like home goods and stuff like that in there too, for sure. Um, all right, listen, I am going a little tradish with this. But I feel like it's okay if your answers are retro answers. Okay. But who are the three guys? I'm not talking oh, about no. your husband. Oh, no. But just give me like three oh, celebrity no. crushes from like when, when you were younger even. If it was like you would like if you were playing this game when you were like 12, who would be on your list? Um, oh, my God. Okay. This, this is what oh God, I, I just I want. I have 12 answers, but not because I still. Yeah. Um, Everybody knows that. People have picked so many different like people from all over the the timeline. Why can't I remember? This is I'm blanking. It's okay. Everyone gets aphasia also. Everyone. I guarantee it. I, I don't want to admit to this. Okay, so these are old school. These are old school yeah. answers. Yeah. 
uh, Matthew Broderick. Okay. Love it. Number one. Love everything about it. Um, even though I think I was so practical, even back then, I think I was like, I'm too tall for him. As if it was ever going to happen. Oh, that I feel like I tailored my crushes too methodically, even back then. He seemed, he seemed so um, funny to me yeah. that that didn't matter. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I that's like, a that, huge thing. That was a big deal. No, you're totally right. Um, Please, number, I love that like, he, he was too short for me, but Steve Martin, who was like 40 years older than me, was like, just That's right. a good one. Actually, that's a really yeah. good one. Um, I just came up with an alternate, uh, but uh, Jason Bateman. Oh, yeah. Two. Please, Jason Bateman. That's, see, these are both good. These are both really funny, cute, but not like drop dead, like impossibly gorgeous. They're just like attractive, really sweet guys that you feel like you would know like that was, they feel knowable that was somehow these characters that they played way, right yeah drop dead like no me neither come on what am i gonna do with that what, what am i gonna do? do with that what are you gonna do nothing sit in a car yeah <laughs> exactly um, oh my god i had the, the i changed oh. my mind on the last at the last minute scotty and no i'm not allowed to put scott the dog love you but no please lie down He's just, he's more anxious today because it's Jessica. It's very cute. He wants to play. He yeah. thinks it's his turn. Yeah. Um, and then I had a better one than this, but the, the thing that's coming to mind is that, what's that little actor from The Boy Who Could Fly? Oh God, that's movie. He is so cute. He like, I mean, talk about a vulnerability. Interesting on that because he is extremely vulnerable, right? I mean, he just had, because he wasn't even mute. Wasn't he like mute in The Boy Who Could Fly? Oh, maybe he didn't talk. The boy. Oh, Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, that's, that's going to be great. number three. Let me put that as number yeah, three. Yeah, I got that. But I am going to shout out that The Boy Who Could Fly's name is. I, I know what it is because I, I look, I remember looking yeah, at the credits of the movie every time it would roll by. So I. Jay Underwood. Jay Underwood. Is he still around? I don't think so. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall is a great one. And I will say this major shout out to him as a young actor his performances as an actor in weird science Mm -hmm. and 16 candles are like better than any acting i'll ever do in my lifetime (laughs) he is so nuanced i'm not even kidding like he's so present no moment is wasted if you guys if you guys it's been a while since you've seen weird science because it's like a really absurd weird movie it's probably not been that long since you guys have seen 16 candles because we all kind of revisit the john hughes movies from time to time Weird Science, while not of quality that's like necessarily exactly the same. Don't say that. Okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because it's a great movie. Um, If you haven't seen it in a while, revisit it, certainly for Bill Paxton's performance. But for the love of God, watch that scene where Anthony Michael Hall is drunk drunk in the bar. At the Blues Club. At the Blues Club. It's like one of the best things I've ever seen on film. To get the opportunity to do do so many great things. Oh, he's so good. That's a great one. Thank you for bringing back that memory for me of Word Science. Um, Okay. Next category for you will be if you could... This is extremely... um, This is extremely uh, superficial sounding, but everyone's just going to have to deal with it. If you could instantly transport yourself to a city purely for the shopping, (laughs) 
purely for the shopping. Now that can mean that the shopping experience is part of like what makes it so great is that you're in this place that's beautiful or there's something about it that you really like. Okay. But the principal reason you're there is to shop. <laughs> it sounds so like love it. It sounds I'm not so it. legally blonde, qualify. but here we go. That's just the reality. Paris. Yes. And but Jessica and I were in Paris together and did shop together. We and did. It was Had wonderful. Uh, Stockholm. Love it. Gotta go. Gotta get there. Which I was in recently and wish I could go back yeah. to explore more. Gotta and three. Um, I. Manhattan. Yeah, I know. I right? mean, honestly. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. Um, number. Okay, but not number three, but this is my next category. My next category is going to be if you could create a new ride at Disneyland. Three, off the top of your head, you're an improviser. It doesn't matter if they're your long-term answers. Everyone knows this is the last minute. uh, Let's of the moment. Create three new rides for Disneyland, and one of them will come true. Um, Iceberg Castle. Ooh, I love that. Like, it's sort of like Sleeping Beauty meets the Matterhorn. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I love that. I I sincerely love that. It's just like a, a... it's a I don't know what ha- I'm not sure what happens in it but it is yeah. cold in there yeah. it's very cold like you see your breath like you, you walk it. in and immediately see your breath I love it everything <laughs> about it love it love it love it um, I sort of like looking around the room for like what's as you like you look up at my Matterhorn poster yeah. <laughs> the Matterhorn no that's a real I one I know I know um, uh, I keep just looking around I'm gonna shut my eyes and that's say, okay too though if that's inspires something like um the snack maze. The snack maze is great. <laughs> I don't know even what it means, but I would want to go. And yeah. wouldn't we all so want to get on the snack maze? Um, <gasps> you know what I just thought of for you? What? This isn't fair because I'm feeding you an idea. But what if there was like a ride version of that phrase in that band that you played for me when we were in the car where you were like, they make <gasps> that sound so good. Oh, sh- um, If that was like a ride. I wish I could swim and sleep like the shark. It's an unknown mortal orchestra song. I wish I could swim and sleep like a shark does. I'd fall to the bottom and I'd hide till the... uh, Anyway, he's like falling asleep and slowly floating away. Oh, right? If you could take a ride that basically like quickly hypnotize you into a state where you're... It it would basically be like a meditation, almost like a a meditation ride where you just like float and drift and you're like totally rejuvenated after five minutes of this feeling of just like pure... There is no better answer than that one. Okay, so... (laughs) um, Unknown mortal, immortal orchestra. Un- unknown mortal, mortal orchestra. Orchestra ride. Will see now there. Ride. Oh, that's so interesting and specific. Great but, album, gang. Because I just thought Great about album. that when you said it, and it is. It's almost like if someone could make a ride of that. And that'd then be after fantastic. you said, what I was thinking after it would be like some kind of like uh, infinity slide, where you slide and then you hit some kind of plateau and then you oh, get to slide yeah. again and you go around a corner. God, I like infinity slide too. It's, this is tough. You know what I want to do? Modes of transportation include infinity slide. Like you could get to your destination (gasps) on an infinity slide. Nice. And now I need two more. Um, I would take a ride on 
on your fuzzy dog, Scott. Love it. Couldn't agree more. With a, with a saddle, just ride around town. It would take a while. Which is not, not, it's not so different from the polar bear dog that I've said before that Scott looks like the polar bear dog oh, that yeah. Mike characterized. Oh, yeah. That's what I wished. You could blow him up to the size where you could just ride him everywhere. So I couldn't <laughs> agree more. Love um, it. Boy, then it would just be like, uh, what do you call that? Like transportation where you... Fl- oh, teleporting. Teleporting. Yeah, that's totally. it. That's Same. N- that's it. Same. Then you don't have to waste any time. And actual teleporting, not teleporting like in Harry Potter where it makes you throw up because you actually have this like several second experience that's like somehow really upsetting. <laughs> no, no, it's like, it's like maybe, maybe you're thirsty. Yeah. Maybe you yeah. need some water when you're done. Yeah, you're a little thirsty, but there's nothing upsetting. It's yeah. not upsetting teleporting. Okay, final category is if good. you could if you could give oh this is this is tough cuz I, w- I was going to say something but like so much of life has to be about learning your experiences for yourself um ask it anyway honestly honestly if you could ch- i mean this is real i've never asked huge big questions like this but why not um, like kind of morally speaking, if you could undo like something that feels like it's sort of wrong with the world could be really small, could be big, but just three things could be like, I wish people said Gesundheit more when they, you know, I wish there was more acknowledgement of sneezes too. Oh, I wish there were more, I can, that's just less economic disparity, stuff like that. I wish, uh, that I could control the, uh, environmental pollutants. Yeah. Uh, across the world these will keep me up at night i wish that um the products and foods that were available to us in the united states were um governed by a a larger yeah understanding about commercialism and capitalism yeah about the the dollar and more about making sure that products are safe okay um, well, and then I wish. God, this is so. This sounds so so flighty, But I, uh, I could stay awake nights thinking about the military industrial company. Yeah, no. Listen, <laughs> tame that beast. That's literally all I wrote because I you wrote hopefully I'll remember. Yeah, hopefully I remember what that means in a second. Okay, tell me. Don't look. Oh, I'm not looking. Tell it doesn't. By the way, have any bearing on anything? But tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm gonna be busy. Okay, I'm pausing this. To you, will seem as if no time has passed. Okay, it's with great pleasure that I reveal oh. this future unto you. <laughs> like this is scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the first thing I want to say is, I never have a plan for this, is that I, this actually, a lot of this makes a lot of sense to me. <clears throat> Number one, you know, the mash portion being mansion, apartment, shack, and house. Oh, what I'm going to say is you do have an apartment. I'm going to go ahead and say your apartment is in Manhattan. Oh. Because so it makes sense. You have a lovely apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> Wonderful. That's also the location of this clothing store that you have I see. with all of these wonderful um, items for the home, for the body, etc. Um, some of which you may have even sewn yourself. Oh, I see. 
because you've had time. I mean, this is like this, a lot of this is really coming together in really? a very specific, purposeful way. It feels right, including the fact that you have revolutionized the world, and now in the United States we have very mindful food and personal products that are very safe for us. Probably you carry some of those in your store. Nice. So you're kind of taking over Manhattan. <laughs> um, when the time comes for you to travel back in time, uh, I think if there's a way for you to infinity slide back into the past to experience the James concert, <laughs> that is definitely where you're headed. But you can also just infinity slide anywhere you want. That sounds so fun. So fun. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Infinity slide everywhere. Um, which takes us to uh in fact you can infinity slide your way all the way to disneyland where when you get there if you're tired or feeling anxious or frazzled unknown mortal orchestra ride (laughs) get on there anytime you want it's like perfect floating beautiful um and you're sharing all of this and more with circa 80s anthony michael hall (laughs) So congratulations. (laughs) Possibly he still has braces. Possibly he has braces. There's nothing more touching. There's nothing more touching than a teenager with braces or a toddler with glasses. I agree with both of those things. And that is one of the reasons that my podcast uh, logo has braces is that it's very charming to me and reminds me very much of being a young person. Um, thank you so much for doing the podcast, What buddy. a pleasure, buddy. It's so fun. Yeah, it's um, really fun. Thanks for having me. And, and uh, yeah, and thanks for weighing in on that uh, that advice and stuff. We, we really hit it. All creatures, great and small. Lots of, lots of big picture stuff, lots of little picture stuff. Mm. Good times. Great fun. Love thanks you, so much. I appreciate it. Bye, guys. Bye. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.